Welcome to Highlawn Baptist Church in St. Albans, West Virginia, where our mission is to know Christ and to make Christ known. For more information, visit us online at highlawnbaptistchurch.org. We're so glad you've decided to join us, and now we invite you to grab your Bible, if you're able, as we pray that you will be blessed by the preaching of the truth of God's Word today. Today, we live in a very, uh, very rough society where we have for the past two centuries, at least in this country, enjoyed the favor of the community, even those that weren't believers themselves or those that were believers in name, if nothing else. It's no longer the case. In fact, as you, as you think about the news, as you watch on TV, as you listen on the radio, as you hear the words of so-called influencers out there right now, what you hear, Christian, that word being used, you hear it being used in a derogatory fashion. The same way that when I was growing up in the 80s, you'd hear the word commie. It's almost laughable, but right now we're the enemy of the world. And you know what? We've always been. It's just right now, the world has decided that, it, that there's enough evidence to prosecute and persecute. We've been standing against for so long the changing of, of ethics, the changing of the foundation of the difference between right and wrong. We have stood for the preservation of life. We have stood for the freedom of the individual under God. We have stood for recognizing that people are made in God's image and are beings of eternal significance to Him and divine worth. Also that for each and every one of us, we're accountable to someone. When your eyes close on this side of eternity, they will open somewhere else. They will open in front of the person that forged them in the first place. They will open staring into either your Redeemer or your Judge. And I pray that before this service is over, if you don't know which one He is, you will find out and you will hold that in your heart in confidence by the end of our service. So before we go any further, before we enter into God's Word, we always want to do so in a season of prayer. So let's bow our hearts together. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the privilege that it is to be a child of the King. And we ask now that You would help us to gain a better understanding of precisely what that means. That as You grant to all who come to You the assurance of not only their salvation, but the assurance of Your kingdom and their place in Your kingdom. Lord, help us to be bold in proclaiming Your truth. Help us that even though this world is upside down, help us to be messengers so that one heart at a time we might reclaim it back to its Creator, its Redeemer, to its Sovereign Lord. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said. So the foundational discipline of the Christian life that we're going to be focusing on today is the peace of God which passes all understanding. It's a peace that is, if you're in Christ, it is a peace that is yours by right. Now a lot of us, and go ahead and take out your notes and start now. Because a lot of us when we think about uh, eternal security, when we think about the point of conversion, we think to ourselves 
that that's not anything that happens to us in the present. That's something that's in, in the far away. That's something that happens when we pass on. But if you're in Christ, you're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven right now. You are a prince or princess of the very king of this universe. And as such, you already have access to your inheritance. And part of that inheritance includes the promises of God. The one that we are going to focus in today is that peace of God that He gives to all of us that is promised for you in Scripture. So if you would, take out your copy of God's Word and join with me in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. We're going to be taking a look at how Paul defines spiritual peace and the discipline of spiritual peace. Because it's, it, even though it's something that you have access to right now, even though it's been credited to your account, you have to use it. You have to put it in place, and you have to be very zealous about guarding it so that no one seeking to take it away from you is capable of taking it away from you. Philippians chapter 4, starting with verse 4. Once you get there in your copy of the Bible, say amen. amen. He begins with the Baptist verse, and I'll talk more about that next Sunday. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again, rejoice let your graciousness be known to everyone, for the Lord is near. Don't worry about anything. Worry not. The most often reused commandment in all of Scripture, and that right there should tell you something, fear not. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving in your hearts, present your requests to God. Write this down. Don't use prayer as a last resort. Pray to the Lord always. We'll get more into that in just a second, but I want, to, I want you to, to, to get down the elements behind peace, the exercise of peace that Paul is setting for us right here. Now, first of all, pray. Communicate with God. Talk to God. I jokingly say let's do something radical, but think about what prayer really is. Once you get on your hands and knees before God, the second that you start opening your heart to Him, whether you're verbalizing it out loud or whether it's just in your thoughts or in the songs we sing together, the moment that that starts, you go before the throne of this very universe and you talk to its King. Your words, your thoughts, your very heart echoes through the course of eternity to the very throne room of this universe. And it lays like a, a censer filled with incense, a sweet savor unto the Lord, so that He breathes in, in the book of Revelation it talks about that as an image, He breathes in your prayers as though we're breathing in oxygen. Not that He needs it, but He enjoys it. He wants a relationship with you. And that relationship is a two-way street. It's not just that we go to Him whenever we need something or when we're in our hardest situation, but as His child, He wants to hear from you in all situations. Through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which passes what? All human understanding beyond human comprehension will guard your hearts in minds in Christ Jesus. Notice the function of the peace that Paul's talking about here. It exists. It is the gift placed, credited to your account as a part of your inheritance as a prince or princess of the universe. It is credited to your account to be put into use to guard your hearts against the wiles of the devil, against his schemes. 
Because if there is one thing that the devil wants in his arsenal, it's a fallen Christian. It is someone who goes in the name of Christ and yet doesn't act like it. It is someone who lives in a constant state of, I don't know what to do. I'm always panicked. There's something going on. The world is topsy-turvy. God's in control. Fear is a mild form of atheism. If we stand afraid, it's because somewhere in the recesses of our mind, we believe either that God isn't who He says He is, isn't as strong or as powerful, as wise as He says He is, doesn't live up to His own testimony as found in Holy Scripture, or that He refuses to keep the promises that He makes to His children. Know what fear really is. And that its antidote is the faith harboring in your heart the understanding that God is indeed who He says He is, that He's just as powerful today as He was yesterday and shall be what? Forevermore. And that God, above any other religion on the face of the planet, above any other spirituality, whatever you want to call it, we have the only God, singular among all other world religions, that delights in the making and keeping of promises to His children. The only thing that God cannot do is break a promise. Finally, brothers, underline this in your copy of God's Word. Chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Some of your copies of God's Word, it's translated as think on these things. But the Greek word being used there doesn't simply mean let it be an occasional thought that comes into your head. It means may this thought be foundational in your mind. Have it there constantly. The good of God, the virtues of Christ, the strength and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit of God, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Dwell, let these be a constant in your minds. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me. And the God of peace will be with you. May God add His blessing to the reading and proclaiming of His word this morning. What makes a Christian on sight different from anybody else? Now think about it. Ours was the first religion not to have a geographic boundary. It was also the first not to claim an ethnic identity, but rather a philosophical, a religious, a spiritual, a theological one. There are no boundaries in Christianity. Anybody can become a Christian as long as they do two things. Repent and believe. And it's those elements of the faith that open to us access to the family of God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that what? Whosoever, there are no qualifiers, whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now when we're talking about peace, let's get in our minds what peace means. This is hardly ever touched upon, but I want to make sure that you know it. First of all, there are two words in the, in the original text used for what we in English translate as peace. And I want to bring those up because the English word peace severely lacks what this means. First of all is, of course, the Hebrew word shalom, which is what Paul is referencing here. 
To be in shalom means to be in a state of perfection, a state where nothing is missing, wholeness or holiness. Uh, it's actually, believe it or not, it's a mining term. When Solomon's temple was constructed, when they were quarrying that special kind of limestone from under Jerusalem itself, and a block was carved out, was sanded down, was made perfect, was whole, wasn't missing anything, it was said to be in a state of shalom. Completeness, wholeness. In the terms of the scripture, it means a complete fellowship with God, lacking for nothing, dependent and reliant upon God's grace. It also means a complete and total fellowship with each other. In other words, everything, everyone rather that is made in his image. Where are the two great commandments? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And love thy neighbor as love God above all and love all that are made in his image. That is shalom. The word in the New Testament that Paul is translating here for us that we then we translate is irene which means to be bound together, like the laces on a set of sports cleats or the, the strap on a Roman soldier's boot. When it is bound together, it is in a state of strength. It is a state of unity. When a block is perfect and has no fissures in it or no cracks, it is shalom. When a grapevine is bound together in trust onto its arbor, then it is in erene, meaning the two are now united. Do you see what that means? So it's not just an absence of conflict. It is the presence of fellowship. It is the presence of an understanding. It is the presence of unity. The peace of God does not simply mean that you don't have a conflict with God. The peace of God means that you're dwelling in unity with Him and His will, that you are bound together to Him through the Holy Spirit and through the blood of His Son. So the shalom of God is not simply the fact that we are now perfect as far as our judgment is concerned, but it means also that we are living in a state of fellowship with Him. You are not yourselves. You were bought, you are not your own, excuse me, you were bought with a price. So we are no longer slaves to sin, to hell, to death in the grave. We are now free, and not just free as servants, not just free as individuals, but we are free as children of God, made in a state of shalom with our Creator. When Paul goes on to talk to us about spiritual warfare, he talks about lacing yourselves, your footwear basically as far as the, the kid is concerned, with the, pre the preparation of the gospel of peace. There are two meanings behind that. I want you to think about this through the course of the week. I want you to pray on it because I want you to harbor it in your heart because I have a feeling. And again, I'm not a prophet. I don't claim to be. But I have a feeling with what we're going through in the society right now that we need to, above all, look different from the rest of this world by displaying the peace of God before others. Let them be in the conflict. Let them live in the uncertainty. Let them appear to be going insane when everything is falling apart around them. But when the peace of Christ is made known through the people that call upon His name, it makes a difference. And the others that are living without that peace see it on display and crave it. That's one of the ways that we can do evangelism without really evangelizing. Be a Christian. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. 
not yours. Put on the whole armor of God, not just the bits and pieces. Not just the things that attract you about Christianity. You have to be a total Christian. Christian meaning Christ-like. The whole armor, the whole kit, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Boy, if there's ever been a time that that's true, it's right now. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, meaning whenever there's a conflict on earth, chances are it's just merely an echo of what's going on between light and darkness itself. And we need to be able to sustain ourselves through that. But again, not in our strength, but His. Therefore, again, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day. And having done all of that, stand. Again, as I've preached before you, a lot of times now, God has made an effort to invest within you certain strength, certain wisdom, certain knowledge, certain giftedness. And He didn't, just like the parable of the talents, He didn't give those to you so that you can just bury them in the ground and wait. He, gave, he invested in you to take what you've been given and invest it yourselves. Put it to use, in other words. When the time comes, when the difference between right and wrong, when the difference between God's truth is questioned, don't think about it, don't hesitate, don't hope that it passes you by. Stand! Call it out for what it is. Be the light in an era of darkness. Reflect Christ to others. That is our mission as a church. We've encapsulated it into one sentence, which is to know Christ and make Christ known. His will, His integrity, His truth, and His gospel. Reflect fully His light. The full gospel. The whole gospel to the whole world. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Why does this, why does this matter in this way? Why is he using that, that imagery? Napoleon himself, I believe, that once said that the most ingenious piece of Roman equipment and possibly the reason that they were the dominant power of the age that they were was not because of their, their skill with building, was not because of, of their skill with brass work or with metal work necessarily, but what kept make them head and shoulders above any other military, strangely enough, was their footwear. What do shoes do for us today? They give us two things. They give us distance and they give us endurance. What was Rome known for? was known for conquering the whole world. That's distance. That's endurance. Okay, not the whole world, but the majority of what we were dealing with at that time from our perspective. What are you called to do? Paul says of his own life in Christ that I have run the course, I have finished the race, I have preserved the faith. Requires endurance. Requires strength. It's the course that we have to get through. So peace, it has a purpose, which is to be able to endure during the conflict that is going on around it. 
You are both the pawn and the prize in this conflict. I should have used this illustration above. There's somebody put together a really nice picture of a chess pawn in the light, but the shadow that that chess pawn casts is a king. That's ultimately what you are. You are both the pawn and the prize of spiritual warfare. And depending upon which side you take, which is a choice, the purpose of the peace that God grants us to invest in our own lives is to endure the conflict. How is it manifested? Simply put, whenever something comes your way that is insane, whenever anything goes on, whenever someone gets in your face, in other words, how do we deal with it? We deal with it in calm and we deal with it in rational thinking. Keep your head in all situations, Paul writes to his son in the faith. So how is the peace of God manifested? Simply put, no matter what comes our way, we deal with it through a combination of calm and sound reasoning. The foundation of that peace, write this down if nothing else you get from these notes. The foundation of our peace, the certainty of our peace, comes from an understanding and a knowledge of the promises that God has made to each individual believer because that is your inheritance. That's your checkbook in the faith. That's what He has already willed for you that you have access to right now. Understanding that God is who He is, that He's just as powerful and as wise as He says that He is, and that He will do what He promises to do. How many of us has God ever failed? Notice that there is no one raising their hand. Promises of God are the foundation of our peace. God is the source of all peace. Again, Paul writes to us that we're not to go in our strength, but in His. God's mission, ultimately, in, in the Shalom understanding, is to bring peace. To end the conflict between creation and Creator. To bind our hearts together with He who loves our soul to ensure that when we enter into the gates of eternity, we do not go into condemnation, but we go into everlasting life. He gave His life for you. Take John 3.16, the most common or the most well-known verse of the Bible. Substitute your own name for the world and it doesn't lose any truth. For God so loved you individually, for the sake of having a relationship with you, for the sake of redeeming you, for the sake of spending eternity with you in His company. For God so loved you that Christ died. Jesus Himself said, No one takes my life from me, but I give it willingly. God's mission is to bring peace to us and for us to bring peace to others, to be carriers of that gospel message. So the, the peace that Paul is talking about here does two things. Number one, it, is, it preserves us for our mission. And number two, it is our mission. I don't care what you do as your tent making, so to speak. I don't care what it is that you do as your paying job. You have a profession that you've been called to. If you're in Christ, you all have a calling in ministry. It might not be the ordained ministry, it might not be the diaconate, it might not be as the teacher in the Sunday school class, but you've been called to do something that carries the gospel message forward. Always be ready to give an account of the hope that is within you, but do so with all gentleness and respect. But it's your mission 
to take that which you have been given and to pass it to others. Freely give. What you have received freely, freely give. So his peace is there to sustain us through all of life's circumstances, through all the politics, through all the weirdness. There, there was a day back in ancient Rome <clears throat> when the political situation was so bad that they tried to distract the people with bread and circuses. That's where that phrase comes from. Chances are now the government is the bread and circuses. I mean, when the Babylon Bee, a company that thrives on, on making fun of stuff and parodying the reality of the world, says, we can't think of anything stranger than what's already going on, you know there's a problem. When comic book writers are struggling with how to make something more Bizarre, because it's already crazy. You know there's an issue. That's an echo of a spiritual reality. That the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, is there to protect your heart through all of life's circumstances and through all spiritual attacks. The symptoms of spiritual attacks, write this down. The symptoms of spiritual attacks are doubt, our anger, and our fear. To incite you to lose your head, to incite you to surrender your peace, which is yours by right. Fear, anger, doubt, suffering. Pain is an inevitability. Suffering is a choice to remain in that pain. Pain we can't help. It's part of the fallen human condition. But through the practice of peace, it can be quenched. It might take time to be able to cultivate it. It might take a long time, depending upon how the enemy has attacked. But nevertheless, it's there. You're living a testimony. Now that doesn't mean that if something's attacking your heart, you have to shut up and bear it on your own. God's also provided for that eventuality. He's given us His Spirit, He's given us the ability to pray, and He's given us His people. He's also given us His Word. And through that combination, when the world is crashing around you, when everybody else is inciting a riot, and yet you are calm like, a, like an anchor in the storm, people notice that difference. That difference sustains us, and it reflects Christ to them. In John's Gospel, Jesus writes, All this I have spoken before His death. This is one of the final things that He really wanted His disciples to grasp before His execution. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, understand this, please. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, will teach you what? All things Never open the Word of God without starting in a season of prayer. Ask for the guidance of the Spirit that wrote the Scriptures to explain the Scriptures. And when the time comes and you're being challenged by somebody or by a circumstance, He will, continuing that verse, remind you of everything I have said to you. Whenever you're confronted by someone who's lost, who's struggling, who doesn't understand the difference between right and wrong, spiritually speaking, doesn't know their left from their right, <clears throat> you have a promise of God that the Holy Spirit Himself will equip you as needed 
to be able to assist that person who's undergoing conviction so that they might become a brother or sister in Christ. Everybody you see out there, no matter what their background, no matter what their circumstances, everybody you see out there who is not blasphemed the Holy Spirit of God is eligible to be a fellow Christian. And if God has put you in a divine appointment, if He has put you before that person, you have His guarantee that the Spirit Himself will call to your remembrance anything that you need to at least stand your ground and plant a seed in that person's heart so that you can proclaim the gospel to that person. They might not accept it straight away, but you're making a dent in the wall around their heart. With enough dents comes a break. With enough break comes a collapse. And when that fortress has been knocked down, a new soul will receive salvation. This is a commandment as well. Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give you this peace as the world gives, which is conditional, erasable, non-lingering. People crave peace. And they try to fill that craving with sex. They try to fill that craving with drugs. They try to fill that craving with fleshly desires, which never works. It's always conditional. It's always temporary. And it's not true peace. It's always something that, that, that has holes in it that will eventually cascade and fall apart. True peace is dependent on a person, not a circumstance. And that person's name is Jesus Christ. Without Him, there is no true peace. And Jesus here tells tells us, commands us who are in Him, do not let your hearts, let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. Protect your peace. Understand the promises of God so that when the enemy comes to bear, you can confront him the same way that Jesus confronted him in the desert. You heard me say I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you love me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I am. And I have told you now before it happens, so that when it happens, you will believe. When the Spirit comes, when your eyes are open, when you've been regenerated, sealed until the day of redemption, then your faith will be made complete. It's not just about believing, it's about harboring truth within you. God exists outside of time. He's able to see past, present, future Always, we can't do that, but we have been equipped with a spiritual blessing, a spiritual fruit, which enables us to compensate for that the same way that a blind person compensates by an increased ability to hear things, to touch tactilely, and to smell. You have faith. It's not a substance with a measurement whether you have a lot or a little. It's a switch, effectively, that we turn on and off. Either you're in Christ or you're out of Christ. Either you have confidence in Him or you don't. Either that you know He is who He says He is and believe what He says that He will do, or you don't. Choose faith and enjoy the peace that that brings. I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of this world is coming. But mark this, he has what? He has no hold over me. The victory is already won and he knows it. But this is interesting and I'll point this out in just a second. He comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Now that seems strange to our ears because we see the world in, in past, present, and future one at a time whereas God sees it all at once. But we learn here 
that God is actually able to use the attacks that the enemy brings. Let me say that again. God is actually capable, fully capable of and does use the attacks of the enemy for our good and His glory. How in the world does that happen? Watch this. Practice God's peace. Harbor it in your heart. Put it on display by practicing a relationship with God. Now, now this is how we actually exercise peace. Peace, believe it or not, is a spiritual discipline. Peace means that it's something that we have to put to use, that we have to exercise, that we have to engage. How do we do that? Simple. Number one, talk to God. In all things, talk to God. Don't go to Him as a last resort, but always pray. Pray without ceasing. Listen to God. Don't just jabber and don't ignore. I never hear anything from God. I don't hear anything from God. I keep hearing that being said. Do you open His Word? We are blessed above all the generations that have come before us. Number one, we have a full canon of Scripture. That's new. In the, Christian his, in the Judeo-Christian history, that's brand new. And number two, we have total access to it. Not only that, but we have total access to it in our own language. That's new. What excuse do we now have to divorce ourselves from the message of God? 25 minutes a day, less than the length of an average TV show. 25 minutes a day, 365 days, you cover the Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. What excuse do we have? Talk to God. Listen to God. Seeking out both the Spirit that wrote the Scriptures and the Scriptures. And embrace the fellowship of God's people. As iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. We sharpen each other. We divide our sorrows. We multiply our joys. Rebuke not the gathering of ourselves together as some are in the habit of doing. But all the more so as you see the day approaching. Practice that. Enjoy the presence of the family of God. Be part of the family of God. Share your burdens. Grow strength from that sharing. Confess ye one another. Don't hide the fact that you're struggling because guess what? We all do it. The church is not a place for perfect people. With the exception of Christ Himself, if you're perfect, get out of here. You'll mess the rest of us up. The church is a hospital for a broken soul. We come to be healed together. We come because we are broken. We come because even though we're unperfect, we serve the one who is. Embrace the fellowship of God's people. And above all, know the will and the nature of God. Know His promises. Give thanks always for His faithfulness. Why? Because as the song Count Your Many Blessings tells us, that will always keep in mind to you what the Lord has done. His faithfulness, your understanding of His faithfulness will multiply as you recall and you recount every time He's been faithful. Give thanks to Him. And above all, have faith. Choose to view every situation through the eyes of faith because our God never fails. And above all, remember this, and we'll talk about the Scripture in just a second. God can and will use any and all difficult circumstances to showcase His victory and His love for all who bear His image and are called by His name. 
Romans chapter 8, one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Paul is piggybacking on what Jesus Himself just taught us. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself continuously intercedes for us through wordless groans. In other words, if you, even when you don't know what to say, even if you're too afraid to speak, even if you're so compounded with things that you can't find that peace, go on your hands and knees before God and let the Spirit speak with you. And lift your heart to God, even if you don't know what words to use. Seek a peace and a devotional time with Him. The Spirit Himself intercedes through us through wordless groans. And He who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with His will. And we know, write this verse down. We know that in some things, we know in some situations, we know in the times that there's a few clouds in the sky but there's still... No, in all things... God works, never idle. God works for those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those God who, who God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. He's not going to let you go. No circumstance in this life can separate you from the love of God. Those who He foreknew, He predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those who He predestined, He also Called Those who called He also justified. Those He justified He also sons and daughters of the very King of this universe. One day we will stand glorified before Him. We will stand in the perfection that Jesus Christ right now enjoys. You are going to be the victor of anything that this world can throw at you. But not by your own wisdom, not by your own strength, not by your own credentials. Your victory comes from one source. It was purchased for you. Live in what that means. There will be a day that will come where we'll have nothing but peace, where we'll stand in nothing but joy. But until then, harbor this in your heart that He has already equipped you to make it through this life as well. You are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven right now. Live in that certainty. Live in that hope. Live always rejoicing in His presence. And all God's people say. So Heavenly Father, as we come before Your throne now, Examine our hearts. Grant us a hunger and a thirst for your righteousness. Grant us an extra helping of your grace so that as we proceed now, so we dedicate this time and ourselves into your hands without reservation. Teach us to find you in all situations. Teach us to acknowledge your greatness and your provision. Teach us to be thankful and grateful. Teach us to be the sons and daughters of the Most High. And if there be any within the sound of my voice that have yet to come to know you in a free pardon of sin, tear down the wall of stone around their heart and bring them now to be a son or a daughter of the King of Kings. For these blessings we come to you now through the matchless name of Christ, for the sake of whose everlasting kingdom we pray and all God's people said, Amen.
Thank you for joining us at High Lawn Baptist Church. We pray that you were blessed by today's message. At High Lawn, we believe that when you love God, you share His Word. When you love others, you spread the gospel. We would love for you to join us next time, and if possible, to join us in person. To contact or learn more about us, to donate to our ongoing ministry, or most importantly, to learn about the salvation offered to you through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, visit us at highlawnbaptistchurch.org. Once again, thank you, and God bless you.